Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Talk and Tech podcast, where we talk about technology, gadgets, trends, and other innovative products from the lens of a not-so-serious consumer. Hello, Amit. How are you? Hey, Sethu. I'm doing good. How are you? I am good too. Thanks. Thanks. So, uh, what's going on? What What have you been doing these past two weeks? Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a bit of time since we last recorded, and uh, things are changing a little bit out here in India. As you know, I uh, live very close to Delhi. Uh, mm-hmm. We are pacing up on our vaccination drive out here in India. So uh, things are looking significantly better, but of course there is this danger of a third wave coming in as uh, lockdown starts opening and people start to get a little more casual, which is, I think, fairly natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is this fear that uh, there's going to be another uh, wave, but I am kind of you know crossing my fingers and thinking, Maybe this will not be as bad as it was last last time. So yeah, that's that's uh, uh, primarily just you know, being home makes you watch a lot more TV mm-hmm. and just be consumed with your uh, laptop a lot more than you would otherwise. Uh, catching up on some of those fantastic Marvel shows and you know just thinking in my head how we can bake some of that content into a, a future podcast or something like that. Yeah, that would be interesting. How about you? Well, this side of the world, I think they are opening up pretty much everything these days. So uh, the vaccines, the mRNA vaccines that they have administered here seem to be pretty uh, good in resisting the Delta variant too. So yeah, things are opening up. So we are keeping ourselves busy, eating out a little bit and then you know going out for some outdoor activities, uh, resumed a little bit of shopping. I mean, still saying, staying cautious. I mean, we we are still kind of wearing masks when we are in a mall or or somewhere else, as opposed to a lot of people here who who just you know resume their regular life, just like how they was before the pandemic. But yeah, let's see. Yeah, let's see. Interesting times ahead. Yeah. Anyway, so we have picked up a cool topic today. I say mm-hmm. a topic that. Uh, is both sort of, you know, mind-numbing to me and fairly interesting. So we're going to be talking about NFTs today. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, there has been this phenomena of uh, non-fungible tokens around. I think the first quarter of this year, there was a lot of news around what's happening in the NFT world. And although some of it has quietened a little bit uh, in the past, but, you know, if you remember Jack Dorsey selling his tweet for, over you know two million US dollars, and then there's this phenomena of the Nyan cat selling for over five hundred eighty thousand US dollars. Uh, clips of LeBron James or bunch of uh, alien pixelated images just getting sold on the internet as NFT on extremely extremely high cost. So this yeah. NFT thing is uh, both very interesting and mind boggling at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was so much hype created around it. Uh, uh, towards the beginning of this year that uh, I spent a lot of time, I'm sure you spent a lot of time also mm-hmm. studying about what it is. And uh, given that it is connected to this whole blockchain thing, which itself is such a, a difficult topic to grasp, I think uh, while we talk about NFTs in this episode, why don't we start with what exactly blockchain is? 
Sure. Yeah. So I I got interested in this thing before NFTs uh, because I was interested in some cryptocurrencies and on also doing some you know kind of went trying my hands on some blockchain technology uh, mm-hmm. from a coding standpoint. So I did read a bit about it, and the more I read, the the more my brain exploded. Right. <laughs> so so I tried to I I started on a quest to find the easiest way to explain. Uh, how blockchain works um and blockchain by the way for our listeners who don't know is the underlying technology or the technology stack on which all of these cryptocurrencies and and nfts are built upon and blockchain is a technology that is being used um or being adapted um really slowly i should say but but yeah i mean um, a lot of technology companies are adopting it and building applications on top of blockchain so it's not just for cryptocurrencies and and things like nfts um it can be used anywhere you have uh, you know technological applications you have software you can you can code using blockchain technology it's kind of like a platform um so let me try and explain that to you because i think uh, sometime back um some of my friends who are not in the technology industry were kind of asking me this question you know can you explain blockchain to us or rather they were asking can you explain uh bitcoin or cryptocurrencies to us and and mm-hmm. and at that time i i had this i i weaved this story so so let let me try that and and see how that works with you um sure so essentially uh, the underlying principle behind blockchain is essentially not trusting anything so all the security in in today's applications is based on some sort of a trust so it's either a certificate you know uh, that that uh, that one side issues to the other side uh, you know which which is shown to the which is exchanged between the parties when any message or a uh, you know data information is sent or there is some other way you know either you are on a vpn tunnel that lets you only pass information um, from a trustworthy source so a lot of the security mechanisms that are built into modern day applications rely on some sort of a security uh sorry safety or authentication mechanism right um the problem with those is that they can be cracked so hackers can actually either use brute force or some other algorithms to kind of crack those um authentication mechanisms and gain access to your data your information and and create havoc blockchain essentially if you think about it um is a trustless security mechanism so you don't trust anyone right so now how does this work so let's let's weave a very simple story so let's say you you are a student living in a distant town and you know you are very fond of some sweets let, let's pick laddus right so mm-hmm. so you're very fond of your mom's laddus right and sure. you ask your mom to send you some laddus right now there is only one primitive way to send those laddus and that's where you know um, it's basically hand to hand so your mom will give yeah. it to someone and yeah. then that person will give it to the next person and so on the chain is formed and then essentially the laddus will reach you right mm-hmm. now let's say there is no mechanism for way to for you to identify um if those laddus came from your mom or not so right mm-hmm. i mean you cannot trust that person so so right so what is the only way that you can figure out if those laddus came from your mom or whether you should eat them because it can be actually someone else's laddus or you know some hacker has gone in and and exchanged your laddus with some 
some other laddus you know which might make you <laughs> sick <laughs> so what is what what do you think is the only way for you to be 100% sure that those laddus came from from your mom you want to try that that's an interesting one so yeah i would in an ideal world i would say when i taste them i'd know uh, but of mm-hmm. course what you said uh, around somebody hacking in between and say mixing something inside it yeah i wouldn't know that you know uh, the taste could still be the same but the effect that they have on me could be completely different yeah so yeah go for it okay so uh, yeah so this i mean it's it is it's uh, the answer is difficult because it's the simplest answer so and here here it goes so what what you're going to do is you're going to ask the person who is giving you the laddus okay where did you get these laddus from okay so that person will tell you okay i got it from person a right and then you'll go to person a you will ask okay where did you get the laddus from that person will say i got it from person b right and then you'll go to person b and you will ask where did you get the laddus from and and that person is going to say c d e and and the chain will go on and if the chain leads to your mom right mm-hmm. and if and if she can authenticate that yeah these laddus were sent by me then that that will basically ensure you that you know yeah these laddus came from my mom right so so that's the simplest and and i've oversimplified it obviously you know but but essentially in the simplest of terms and that is why it is called as a blockchain because it's sort of like a chain that is formed and you the the receiving party has to ensure that they go to every hop that that information has made to ensure that that information came from that particular hop right and there are mechanisms for you know identifying that in software systems so it's not as you know simple or easy as laddus because you know um, you can verify if that piece of information came from that hop very easily in information systems as opposed to you know obviously laddus can still be duplicated but you mm-hmm. get the idea right yeah. so so in practical applications think of a bitcoin so so if if your mom is sending you a bitcoin right and it it made like 100000 hops before coming to you because there are only so your your receiving party will have to go to every person who had dealt with that particular bitcoin or or satoshi for that matter the, mm-hmm. the further you know yeah um quantized unit of bitcoin to find out or to ensure or authenticate that that bitcoin or satoshi came from that person so the more time the coin or the satoshi spends on the blockchain network the harder it is for the receiving party to kind of authenticate it and mm. and it will it will as you can imagine it will keep on growing exponentially the complexity keeps growing exponentially and that's yeah. where uh the question of these energy efficiencies and various other things are coming in picture because bitcoin has been around for a while now yeah and the amount of bitcoin floating around in in the blockchain that that it works on is so much or it has traveled so much that you know it is getting extremely ex- energy inefficient to kind of validate or authenticate blockchain transactions and i'm sure we're going to talk about it later in the show but but essentially that is how i would explain it um mm. you know in, in the most simplest of terms i don't know if that helped or not no that was that was actually fantastic and i have i've heard uh, uh, various explanations of blockchain various mm-hmm. simplified explanations of blockchain this is the desiest version with laddus <laughs> in it <laughs> so that makes it all the more interesting and uh, little bit you know it makes my tummy growl a little bit as well <laughs> but uh, but thanks for that uh, fantastic explanation now mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, like if we move our discussion back to nfts or non fungible tokens uh, mm-hmm. like you yourself said the underlying technology behind nfts uh, is still blockchain mm-hmm. uh, and uh, if our if our listeners actually understood what blockchain is all about by your explanation uh, nfts it's 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 going to be a little bit of a simpler challenge to understand what an nft is uh, but before i go there uh, i'd just like to say that you know it's it's not it's not uh, easy to grasp all of these things these are sort of you know new neurons that are firing in my brain every time i hear about blockchain or a topic like nft so if any of you out there are not able to pick this up i think it's it's absolutely all right it's not the end of the world uh but uh, back to nfts right so how do you explain nfts in the easiest possible way so just like the ladoo's example let's go a little healthier let's talk about <laughs> apples <laughs> let's say you have uh, let's say let's yeah, there are a bunch of apples out there uh and you are in a supermarket and you are purchasing an apple that particular you have a basket out there where you are picking up apples and they are pretty much all the same apples right so if you pick four of them uh and you replace it with say another four uh things don't matter that much because it's pretty much the same apple so if i break it down into say fungibility versus non fungibility i would say those apples are primarily fungible in nature right so it doesn't really matter whether you pick one apple or you pick another the same mm-hmm. it's the same value it's the same taste the same shape the same color and can you know gives you the same sort of satisfaction of having eaten an apple now let's imagine in a hypothetical world and i'm going to like craft a story uh, mm-hmm. out here as well imagine that uh, somebody has uh, you know uh, taken uh, somebody has an apple that is cut into the shape of uh, apple itself the the apple organization mm-hmm. and that person sort of claims that this is the apple that was the inspiration for steve jobs to actually you know go ahead and uh, create the logo of apple mm-hmm. this is a completely hypothetical story so please do not hold me responsible <laughs> for it but that particular apple is now completely different from uh, all the other apples right because it is mm-hmm. cut into a very specific shape and it has an identity on top of it which says that you know because this apple is shaped like this somebody looked at it and said okay why can't i use this as a Uh, as the logo of my organization and therefore that apple now has special value mm-hmm. from all the other apples so that particular apple is what i would say is now non fungible because not only i mean you can obviously go out go ahead and you know cut uh, several other apples in the similar shape but that one apple will always remain uh, the apple which was uh, looked at by somebody and said that oh well, this is going to be the logo of my organization so in very simplest terms a non fungible token is something that is not is no longer replicable mm-hmm. uh, it has an identity on top of it uh, it's it's primarily like uh, if you remember uh, when we were sort of you know kids there were these uh, cricket cards or wrestling cards that were exchanged between kids a lot and yep. uh, each wrestling card had some value on top of it and you would go and exchange those wrestling cards or those cricket uh, based cards Uh, a non fungible token in a very simplest term is is like one of those cards you know it has it has the value uh, that you were owning it and you're owning a specific card and you can exchange that particular card for something else but as long as you own that card it's yours and you have the claim to it and you have the right to it so it's like uh, you put a sticker on top of that 
and that sticker signifies the identity and the ownership and therefore gives it that kind of value so in very very simple terms that's how non fungible tokens work um, they are non interchangeable and the fact that uh, they have a specific id associated with them makes them unique makes them the unique token that they are interesting yep so um i mean what's so great about them that they have become so popular lately then i mean what are the common most common use cases that they are servicing do you, do you have some examples that we can discuss yes there is a ton of examples mm-hmm. uh, of where nfts are proving to be extremely useful some of those examples of course are fairly ridiculous as well so as we as we you know speak them out you might find that they are fairly ridiculous and just like the example that we took when we started the show right we talked about jack dorsey selling his tweet for 3 million dollars almost 3 million dollars and mm-hmm. then i don't know if you have seen that image of the nyan cat and that went for like half a million dollars itself so there is no specific reason to why some of this is happening um uh, it could necessarily be you know the world out there is crazy and uh, something which is new and looks extremely fancy people throw a lot of money on it but mm-hmm. um, behind the technology and like you yourself explained the uh, bottom line is that it provides a very solid technology for somebody to sort of own something and um, place a value on top of it so for example uh, there is a lot of uh, art being sold in the market as nfts right now so uh, i think the simplest example that is taken out there is uh, you have a mona lisa right so uh, mm-hmm. you might have like the millionth copy of a mona lisa it looks exactly the same it uh, smiles exactly the same uh, mm-hmm. it is there in your living room say for example but the one the mona lisa that is original the value that that mona lisa holds is beyond the value of any other copy that uh, mona lisa uh, that you might have at the end of the day so uh, art creators as such you know are finding nft as a great platform to distribute their art um, mm. and also sort of have uh, a particular sort of differentiation associated with it when they sell their art so nft is becoming a great platform for art creators in that sense uh, not only the popular ones the ones that are not that popular right so for example there is a whole market created out here uh for people who are artists but obviously do not have that much distribution or reach using nfts they can definitely have that kind of reach because physical copies will only go uh, that much so i think art is a great example for uh, nfts uh, at the moment at least mm-hmm. okay what about i also heard about it's used in gaming and various other stuff so yeah um i was i was hearing things about something that caught my attention was the fact and and it just blew my mind away that you know eventually we know where we are all headed right i mean with augmented reality and virtual reality eventually becoming popular you know and if you remember that movie wall e right mm-hmm. where yep. they, they were showing all humans just right um gliding around on a spaceship yeah. and and just staying on their chair yeah. an extremely sedentary life and just living their life in that on that screen right imagine yeah. imagine you have a virtual reality world that you participate in mm. right um similar to 
possibly Fortnite or or other these uh, you know uh, games. So you actually have a real parallel world out there that that you either wear your Oculus or any other virtual reality headset and just go and spend some time there, right? Hmm. So you may have a house in that virtual reality world. You may have you know uh, a car, some collectibles in that. So I I've read a use case that NFTs have a lot of potential in that domain because you know people have money and they want to spend money right so it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of people have extra spare money that they want to spend on weird things uh so eventually what's going to happen is that you're going to be living in that virtual reality world and let's say you you buy a house there right so when you buy a house you essentially buy a buy an nft for that house and let's say you want to decorate that house with exclusive furniture from these big brands right Mm-hmm. So I let's say IKEA gets into that virtual reality world uh, as a, as a as a you know virtual furniture seller, right? And then they introduce some unique pieces um, of a couch, right? And they say that okay, we are only selling hundred of these couches, and mm-hmm. and how how do they ensure that nobody copies them, and or how do they ensure that the person who has bought it is a genuine buyer? They essentially generate hundred non fungible tokens. For, for mm-hmm. that piece of furniture that I would buy and I would own, right? So if any if if I go to someone else's house and I see a similar piece of furniture, and if I am being super rude and ask them, okay, show me the proof that this is a, <laughs> this was an exclusive proof, <laughs> you know, either they have the NFT from IKEA or they don't, or they have a, you know some other NFT from someone that would prove yeah. um, um, that you know that they have copied it or, for the lack of a better word, pirated that furniture in their house, right? Yeah. So yeah. so that was like a mind-boggling example that I that I read. I think it was from um, an author who had been uh, in you know investing a lot of time of hers into mm. reading about and talking about NFTs and various other use cases. Right. But what do you think about this use case? I mean, I found it very interesting. I think it is super interesting, right? Uh, the all the things that you spoke about, you spoke about gaming, you spoke about virtual reality, you spoke about the fact that you know eventually there is a huge case of us owning that virtual world and participating in it with a lot of other people. Uh, there is there, that's a definite possibility as we as we move along. Uh, I mean, Corona has sort of you know the COVID period has probably escalated some of this already, uh, mm-hmm. but you know. How, I see a lot of things out here, right? So there is value for NFTs out there in that uh, world. And if you take it, say, a notch higher as to uh, most of these gaming companies that do role-playing games, they have mm-hmm. this virtual world anyways created where people can participate from multiple places and multiple geographies, and they do almost daily. And then mm-hmm. the primary monetization part in all of these games is not the gameplay because gameplay is usually free. But the monetization mm-hmm. is all the mods and the rare items and the weapons and uh, exclusive content that you get while that you can purchase while you are playing the game. Now, mm-hmm. in in my opinion, NFTs will play a huge role there because you know some of these digital mods or rare items being sold as NFTs will the owner will be the only owner of some of those items and will sort of you know in that huge role playing game play a very special. Uh, uh, sort of uh, role, and mm-hmm. that would that would completely you know completely redefine how uh, gameplay works in uh, in the online world if NFT is introduced. And I think that's already happening. That's already started to happen. So 
uh, a particular weapon or a particular mod is only uh, registered to you because you own that NFT and that only you can use it and then only you can sort of, you know, uh, utilize the powers of that in that particular game. So I, I find that extremely interesting and I find some of those things to be happening more and more as we move along. Yeah, and, and I think these, plat- as you, you rightly said, the plat- the gaming platforms, the virtual reality platforms, all of these platforms are going to make bragging about, you know, True. one person owning a certain set of NFTs extremely yeah. easy. You know, imagine imagine you're gaming and you, you there's a player in front of you. You can potentially, you know, um, hover over that player character and see is potentially the various nfts that that person can brag about true so i may have like hundreds on nfts but i may choose to just display some of them while my character is running in the game or if i'm in a virtual reality world you know and and i'm and i'm you know just driving around you know i can probably figure out you know who lives in that house and or rather you know anonymously know okay the person living in this house owns this piece of furniture, this exclusive each, uh, piece of painting and things like that. So so that, I mean, virtual things I do understand, but I was also a little confused as to its usage in sports, as you said. So I understand those collectible cards. But then I heard about NFL, you know, selling or, or creating a platform where you can own a moment of a game, right? So, yeah. so that kind of... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I couldn't digest it, honestly, because essentially, yeah. if you try to explain that to someone that that part of the game that they give you the rights to claim the ownership of, right, Yeah, is viewable by everyone. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're not going to hide it from the world. And it's, it's not that it's only going to be visible to you. So, yeah. I mean, that I, I don't understand. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, that just bothers yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's just... It's just uh, two things, right? I think you've said both of those things in whatever you were saying earlier also. People have a lot of money. That's point mm-hmm. one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, businesses have a lot of idea of mon- ideas on monetizing technologies and saying, you know, how do we get that money out of people's pockets? That part, that's, that's another part of it. And the mm-hmm. third part is the bragging, right? right? Most of the stuff that's happening around NFTs right now, I don't think there is enough talk about the real world examples and you know, things like decentralized currency or things like real world assets and smart contracts. I don't think anybody talks about the usage of NFT in any of these, which are very real problems that can be solved. Most mm-hmm. of the stuff is around how can, how much can you brag uh, about mm. what, what you own from something like an NFL or an NBA. I think NBA also does pretty much the same thing that you just spoke of, of selling small video moments as NFTs to people at a very, very high price. So... Uh, it's just uh, it's just a typical example of uh, people having money and the bragging rights of owning a moment which is which has the stamp of uh, an organization like an NBA or an NFL and then owning it for a significantly larger period of time than uh, somebody just going on YouTube and watching the same um, same clip. But yeah, I do understand. It's very hard to explain this to anyone who's uh, uh, a- any normal person for <laughs> for that matter. It's hard to explain that because all of yeah. that content is already available. Exactly. And it may have been actually NBA. I may have, I, I, I don't know, living here for some time now, but I 
you you know how much i like sports or, or don't watch sports <laughs> at all so it may actually have been nba and not nfl but here is a question for you so if you had had the opportunity to buy a moment of a game so i presume mm-hmm. it's going to be cricket for you right because yeah. you're a diehard yeah. cricket fan so what yeah. what what would be that moment in in the game's history that you would love to buy as an nft I think that's a super interesting question. I haven't thought about it, but I will definitely buy the uh, shot that MS Dhoni hit ah. uh, when India won the World Cup in 2011, and I will absolutely not mind spending the money also. So yeah, I think you have all the answers, right? <laughs> Why yeah, I mean, the, and I was gonna say, I was gonna say, you know, <laughs> I I don't watch cricket a, yeah. at all, right? I don't even know the much rules of the game. I just probably know a little bit. but that is the shot that i would also buy so yeah. because i watched that series in full and and i watched it with my friends i remember and when he made that shot we were also ecstatic um yeah. so yeah i mean if i had to buy a moment in a game i would pro- so i think i if you explain it to people you know in terms of something that they like you yeah. know they would probably understand it better you know yeah that's true um, and i think and i think there is a notch higher to this right so in some mm-hmm. of the discussions that i had seen about the same thing right so so giving a video content to somebody which is available freely on youtube might mm-hmm. be okay because you know you are a die hard fan and you want bragging rights like we said blah 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 but what is even better on top of it is that nft is probably also associating itself with some exclusive content right so say mm-hmm. it is that amazon shot but there is also a small video commentary with ms dhoni uh, saying you know this is specifically meant for you amit or for you setu and uh, this is how i mm-hmm. felt when i struck that shot and that exclusive commentary is only available to the nft holder it's not available to anyone else and that is Just suddenly not. suddenly that takes things a notch higher and you know things start falling into place as to why would you want to buy something like that which is freely available on the internet yeah. and yeah. what i read like when i was exploring i had similar questions like the ones you have uh, both in the publishing industry and the content creation industry uh, there were similar use cases of you know publicly available content but there is some exclusivity associated to it when you add nft on it so for example book signings right uh, mm-hmm. uh, you are you book signings are a fairly public deal but specific book signings which are associated to nfts might have exclusive content inside the book itself maybe an alternate ending which nobody else gets to read so mm. things like this might just be uh, much might just make it easier to get money out of uh, the fans pocket and i think it's fairly legitimate as well yeah yeah no no that totally makes sense and i didn't know this exclusive aspect of these things so thank you for bringing that up the other thing that in, that interested me was the fact that these are being used as investments now right so so you buy that dhoni's uh, short clip yes and yeah. five years yeah. down the line you know someone else wants to buy it it probably would appreciate yeah. in value so you can actually oh, yeah, make money out of it now yeah, this absolutely. is yeah. probably is not the best example because you know that has sentimental value to to people but uh, think of paintings you know right think of digital art think of actual physical art and yeah gaming merchandise as we said add-ons or mods or furniture ikea furniture you, you know you're bored of that exclusive furniture you bought in your virtual <laughs> home on on facebook's oculus and now you want to sell it so imagine yeah. you know having a facebook marketplace for your virtual products within facebook oh, virtual reality world 
Yeah, so no, that's that's, a, that's an excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's gonna be similar to the Matrix in certain ways, <laughs> and <laughs> let's not go there though. But but yeah, you can imagine, right? So so it. it yeah, I it think that that is one aspect that uh, that is one aspect that we didn't speak about much. I think the transactional aspect of the NFT, right? So like yeah. you yourself said, it holds a certain value over a period in time. It can increase or decrease in value, and you can continue trading it with the same uh, blockchain stamp that you spoke of. maintaining the identity and the authenticity and the bragging rights of it because it is handed over from you know very verifiable sources and uh, trade it and you know it increases in value i totally agree with that yeah oh, interesting so yeah i think um, so so before before we close actually i i want to understand or know your thoughts on do you think this is just a big hype that will die out or do you think it will eventually become a really interesting thing to look forward to where you know we perform all these transactions have some investment platforms around it so what are your thoughts on that uh just like with anything else i think you know even with blockchain and cryptos mm-hmm. i think these are some of these questions that uh, are always present right now you don't understand enough of it to uh, say what's the future going to be looking like it and it's not like you and i don't understand enough it's the the best of financial institutions and the best of brains of the world do not understand how this will work uh, and sort of uh, take uh, part in the future in the world of uh, future but uh, leave the fad behind right leave the fad of uh, the dorsey tweets or the nyan cat or the pixelated alien images there is some real use cases real uh, stuff happening around right the collectible stuff stuff that we talked about the mm-hmm. artistic stuff that we talked about the exclusivity of content stuff that we talked about that these are all areas of monetization and uh, should turn into healthy business models in my opinion and then on the other side of it where we sort of you know we didn't touch enough on it is the world of decentralized finance uh which itself you know runs on ethereum just like nfts does and the world of smart contracts i think you mentioned that as well uh so imagine you owning a piece of real estate right you own a piece mm-hmm. of real estate in noida you know right for example and mm-hmm. you suddenly want some liquidation out of that mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. piece of real estate but but you can't because you know either it it's a binary thing either it gets sold off as a one or it gets sold off it doesn't get sold off it's a zero at the end of the mm-hmm. day but imagine converting your uh, real estate into an nft kind of a thing or or something like a smart contract where your home is say worth 100 bitcoins at the end of mm-hmm. the day right and uh, and 100 bitcoins is probably <laughs> a lot of money but uh, uh, now that it is turned into a smart contract instead of a whole one uh, real estate piece you can sell some part of it and liquidate it and so then keep some part of it for yourself so while somebody else owns part of your house not of course in physical land but in uh, sort of cryptos or nfts or whatever the underlying technology is mm-hmm. uh, but you have that liquidation problem solved for you uh, while also keeping the part of the house that matters to you the most so there is some real real uh use cases that can be applicable to technologies like nfts and so i would say uh, i would say that there is a, a good future for things like this but yeah what will make news is is stuff that makes news usually i don't know what you think yeah. about it 
Yeah, my thoughts are similar. It's just that I mean, it's I don't think the high. I don't think it's a high band. I don't think it's gonna die out. I think it's gonna face a ton of, uh, you know, challenge in the future, similar to how, um, uh, you know, these big tech platforms are facing right now, regulatory challenges, and mm-hmm. that's what this thing is gonna um, face in the future because this technology is so way ahead of our rules and laws and regulations right True. now. That our you know lawmakers and legislatures do not even know uh, what to think about these right now. So the the other thing is that the contract thing that you brought up actually, and that was a good point that you know that's worth mentioning here. I think the first real world physical application of NFTs is gonna be your you know you have a deed to your land, you have an ownership document to your house, right? So I think that is probably going to be one of the first practical implementations in a physical world of NFTs Mm -hmm. that is going to be massively adopted by people. So imagine you buying a house, a property, you know, in India, you when you buy or anywhere in the world, if you buy a property and you let's say you take a loan on it, right? Uh, You you, uh, it's called mortgage over here. So you, you have a mortgage on it. So until you pay the entire money back to the bank your actual property documents are something that the bank keeps in in, with them right so they don't they don't give it to you so imagine that property document being an nft actually right so Mm -hmm. the builder who has built your property they would issue an nft which is unique to your property right Um, and then the bank would own that property until you have paid all the dues to the bank and once once you have paid off your loan, the bank would transfer it to you, and then you would own it. And you know, if someone else comes to claim that okay, this is my property, the first thing that the cops are going to ask is, you know, sh- show us your NFT and and let's see who whose right. NFT is validated with the builder. So so that I think is probably going to be the first implementations of this amazing piece of technology in the real world, which probably people are going to massively use. I mean arts and all the other stuff are probably going to be still limited to regular uh, you know run of the mill collectors who mm. have a lot of money to spare but and and it's going to make the property or real estate market pretty secure so it's going to make you know forging yeah. your documents really difficult and things like that so i don't think the hype is going to die it's just going to face a lot of regulation and and i hope that the you know our lawmakers catch up and figure out the recent news of China kicking out the Bitcoin farms and all those things are kind of disheartening to a certain extent. You know, it's kind of feels like suppressing something uh, that might be really good for the real world in terms of safety and security mm-hmm. and authentication mechanisms. So I don't I don't think this is going to die. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And uh, I think the more we understand about it, the better it will get for everyone, whether it is an individual or it's an institution or it's a, it's a country. So yeah. uh, I, I think that's going to take time because, you know, whatever structures have been set up over a large period of time, uh, mm-hmm. they are being utilized to the core right now, massive population. So it will take time, but I think it will survive and it will flourish as well. Yeah. All right. That was a very interesting discussion. I think I think oh, yeah. we covered some really good topics. Yeah, we did, we did, and uh, it was an awesome discussion. I learned I learned a lot of stuff, and uh, I hope our listeners also found it very useful. Okay, so let's meet again sometime later, and 
I'll talk to you then. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Talk and Tech podcast hosted by Amit Tripathi and me Setu Garg. We would love to hear your comments and suggestions. Amit's Twitter handle is at @unusualrant and mine is at @setu garg. Music for the podcast is produced by Nomadic Lust. Cover art design is by Malvika Tiwari. You can find the link to the artist's pages and our Twitter handles in the episode's show notes. Until next time, take care and goodbye.